Welcome to Beyond the Knife, a bariatric surgery podcast from Perth Obesity Solutions. Join Dr. Siva Sundarajan, one of Perth's leading weight loss surgeons, and his team as we explore all aspects of your weight loss journey from where to start to maintaining your long-term success. Hello, this is Evelyn from Magic Studios, partnering up with Dr. Siva from Perth Obesity Solutions. How are we going today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. <laughs> good, good. to good. be back. Yes, it's very always exciting to be in the studio. <laughs> today we're going to be discussing preparing for bariatric surgery, which is, of course, something that would um, be of great interest to people, how to, how to get themselves started on this journey, really. Well, that's correct. Uh, it's, it's a very common question that I get asked about how do you get yourself ready for surgery. And I would usually tell people that this is something you've got to prepare months ahead of schedule. And the first thing you've got to do is ask yourself why you want to have surgery and what are your goals. And I personally believe that you need more than just a random number uh, as a target. So, so a random weight number. Or a kilo. Correct. Yeah, yeah. correct. Some, some people would like to get to a, their ideal goal weight and what if they don't achieve that yeah then you gotta ask yourself um are they have they failed so i think it is very important that they have additional targets and they need to be individualized as an example someone who's older might want to improve their arthritis so they can play around with their grandkids or someone who's very active and sporty might want to get fitter and faster. Uh, or do you want to prolong your lifespan? Um, uh, if, if you didn't know, the uh, patients who have mild obesity, they can lose about three years of their life expectancy. Oh, that's incredible. And if your BMI is more than 40, you can lose even 10 years. That it's definitely makes you think about yeah. um, what if your you, goals would be. And if you combine that with, say, smoking and you're morbidly obese, you might lose 20 years of your lifespan. So for the average Australian male who lives to 80 or the female who lives to 85, knocking 20 years off will mean you're not going to live much past your retirement. So that could be a target that you want to you know, maintain your life expectancy or your mental health. You want to be able to look in the mirror and feel good about yourself and mm. be happy. So you've got to set realistic goals that, that, are, that are specific to you. And the other thing you've got to do is uh, do some research. There are lots of procedures out there. Some, I would argue, are experimental. And I often get emails from patients about whether I do this procedure or that procedure. And it is hard to advise them over an email. Uh, and so I would advise them to read up as much as they can and also research about your surgeon and talk to people who've had the procedure done. Sometimes it's, it's useful to get a you know, first-hand information from someone who's been through it about the problems they've had and what they did to troubleshoot. Uh, that would be very useful. I imagine there's the opportunity to have a preliminary consultation anyway with, with either yourself or, or another surgeon, so you can kind of have a chat about what your expectations and those things are. That's correct. So most consultations is not an obligation to have surgery. It's more to get advice from an expert about what you're thinking about and what you want to have done and go through the risks, benefits, and decide 
for yourself? Is this something I want to have done? So one of the things I'm sure a lot of our listeners are really um, curious about is how do you even go about uh, finding a surgeon um, that might be what you're after? Uh, there, are, there are several ways in which you can do it. Uh, the simplest way is uh, going to Google. Oh, good old Google. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Um, and if you type weight loss surgery in Perth, you will get a number of surgeons who do it. And you can go through their websites and uh, read up a bit about what they do and uh, and and their sort of bio um, and decide based on that. Uh, other times you can see your GP and uh, the GPs often refer patients and they know which surgeon you know, looks after their patients, who communicates well with them. So they might be able to advise you as, as to who to go to. And the last way in which you can find a surgeon is through online support groups. So there are lots of um, uh, bariatric surgery support groups online that you can join. Not, not just if you've had surgery, even if you're thinking about it, they're very helpful. A couple of the ones we can join in Perth are the Perth Weight Loss Support Group and the Perth Before and After Weight Loss Surgery Meetup. So it sounds like there are support networks, or that in, is in its sense um, a support network, these online groups. Is there a danger with these sort of online groups as well um, of the sort of information that's available on them that might not be actually accurate? Well, Evie, these uh, support groups are important because they provide a different type of guidance on your weight loss journey. Whilst they're not expert medical opinions, these are patients who've had the experience firsthand, so they can give you some guidance on what problems they've faced and how they've managed to solve them. So I think you need that in combination with your specialist surgeon's medical advice. Mm, of course. In addition to these support groups, you do need to have your family and friends on board. I have certainly had patients who have been accused of cheating or taking the easy way out. Oh, gosh. Or family members worried about why they're taking such extreme measures like surgery. And why can't they just go on another diet? What usually drives this type of behaviour is the fear of the unknown or a lack of knowledge or just a bad experience. They may know someone who did not lose enough weight or put all the weight back on after a while or someone who has suffered complications. I would strongly recommend that patients bring along their family or friends to the consultation to allay their concerns. It's good to know that that's actually an option as well. And it also gives them the opportunity to ask questions and make sure all bases are covered. On top of that, you've got to also be aware of the expectations that you have as a patient. So you've got to manage those appropriately. You will not wake up thin after surgery. So, <laughs> And I'm sure that happens a lot, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. And uh, most patients have realistic expectations. Mm. However, there is a tendency for people to check their weight uh, almost daily. And uh, un not unusual for me to have patients contact me saying, oh, they haven't lost much weight. It's been one week since surgery. So I would tell them to be patient and not check their weight every day. In so fact, how many, like, how often would you recommend they check that weight then? A weekly check at the earliest. Uh, otherwise, I would say even space it out two weeks at a time. Yeah, right. And you would expect patients to lose between one to two kilograms per week. It is initially much quicker than that, but as time wears on, it does slow down. 
So, um, so that's one one aspect where you don't check your weight and you will not. It's not an instant result. And it would be different between different patients Correct. as well. So the the same procedure done on different patients will produce different results. This is because of your different genetic makeup, your other medical conditions, your lifestyle. So all that is going to impact on what result you'll eventually end up with. So it's important that you don't compare yourself with other people. Instagram can be pretty lethal sometimes, mm, that you're looking always. at pictures of people who've had a sleeve and now they they look great and and can get a bit depressing if you haven't achieved the same result. Mm. Um, another thing that you got to do as part of your preparation is to identify any addictions you've got. Alcohol is very common, and uh, I remember clearly it's it's almost comical now thinking about it. But um, uh, this patient, uh, when I was asking her about how much she drinks a week. Uh, she told me, oh, I, I drink two bottles of wine. And her partner who was there with her quickly interrupted and said, uh, it's more like seven. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, support network right yes. there. <laughs> uh, so it's important to be honest and, mm. and be aware of your addictions and get help early on. Um, and there's another another instance where I had a mum come to me and uh, I was asking her about having a sweet tooth. And and she denied, no, I don't, I don't eat sweets. But uh, her seven-year-old who was with her during the consult, unfortunately, um, mentioned to me that, uh, oh, mum, uh, you've got your lolly jar in your room. <laughs> you so, can never get away with anything with children. <laughs> so, so kids are brutally honest, mm -hmm. um, which is a good thing. But I think the important thing to note is that the reason we're talking about things like alcohol and sweets is that they are uh, a barrier to that weight loss, even if after you've had surgery. Correct. They will hinder your success and, and you will not achieve your full potential if you do not deal with these addictions early on. Mm. So it's very important that you identify them and get appropriate help. You may need to see a psychologist. You may need to see an addiction specialist. So it, it is vital you do that to get the best out of your surgery. Yeah, it's part, it's part of the whole journey, really. It's the package of it, making sure you, That's as you right. say, preparing months in advance, and this is part of that. Yeah, I imagine. The, um, the next thing I would advise patients to do is to do a spring clean. You need to get all the junk food, processed food out of the house, uh, and especially the sweets. Um, Have a junk day. <laughs> Eat it all in one go. Probably shouldn't be recommended, but I can imagine a lot of people actually do that. They're like, this is my last day, my last hurrah. I, I have heard that before. Mm. Um, I've had people go on a cruise um, before the COVID days. Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, because they were not sure they will be able to eat uh, as much as as they would normally do. Um, so that was not a good start. But anyway, Um so I would suggest you do a spring clean and invest in a good blender. You will be on a, a, a liquid or puree diet for quite quite a few weeks. And it's important to to have the appropriate equipment so that you can yeah, have a good meal. set yourself up for success essentially. That's, that's yeah. correct. Um, and as part of your lifestyle change, you need to have a, a routine. Uh, your diet needs to be modified and you need to take up regular exercise. And joining groups is very useful. It makes you accountable and often people feel guilty if they don't turn up for training sessions or the games. So it actually motivates you to exercise. And that's what you need in the long term. You need to sort your lifestyle out.
Yeah, so it's about consistency, being part of that group twice a week, three times a week to make sure that you're That's continuing right. your exercise. That's yeah. right. And it only helps helps with your success. And the operation is just a big helping hand. It's just to point you in the right direction. And whether you choose to walk, that path is is entirely up to you. So if we can just take a moment to go back to um, addictions and what you discussed with alcohol and sweets and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't imagine that managing addiction is going to be an easy process. Certainly you would be hopefully doing the work prior to the surgery. But um, how does one deal with it after? Because it's not just going to go away. It would be a progressive way to deal with it. That's correct. So after surgery, if addiction is still an issue, then you need to bring it up with your surgeon and the dietitian, and we can organize help for you. So there are psychologists who specialize in addictions and uh, you can they can guide you with behavior therapies uh, to, to try and combat that. And there are also centers like the Swan Center for Eating Disorders that can help you with food addictions. So the main thing is you need to talk. You need to communicate, communicate yeah, and you need to voice your concerns. If you keep it to yourself, Nobody can help you. Yeah, I think the thing is to realise there's nothing to be ashamed about. Everyone there is there to help and make sure that you're a success, yeah. Correct. So we're there to look after you and we're there to guide you on this journey. And if you communicate with us, then we can do a better job. Amazing. And I'm assuming this is something that you would need to take time off as well. So take time off work or things like that. Um, you mentioned going on cruises before, so obviously yeah. you probably couldn't go on holiday for a little while after. Would that be fair to say as well? Um, in the first few weeks, uh, yes, uh, you you probably will not want to go on a holiday anyway. Um, but from a financial perspective, there are a few things you could get organized. Uh, first thing, work. Um, you don't need to necessarily temp- tell your employee that you're having weight loss surgery. Some people are reluctant to, mm. to divulge that information. But you do have to tell them that you're having a procedure and you need some time off. And between one to two weeks off work is adequate for most people. If you have a physical job where you're lifting heavy things, you may need to go on light duties for a further month. So that's some important to... To, to commu- plan for, Correct. yeah, absolutely. The second thing you got to uh, check with is your insurance. Um, for most patients who have insurance, they assume they are automatically covered, if they, especially if they're on the top top uh, bracket. But lately, uh, I've had patients who have been on top cover for years, but suddenly they're no longer covered for bariatric surgery because it's become an option. And so they get caught out. So it's very important you check with the insurance um Fund. As part of your preparation. Correct. Mm. Uh, and you do not want any last-minute surprises. It leads to a lot of angst and Oh, the and least tears. amount of stress, the better. Correct. Yeah. And so um, it's very important you clarify that. For patients who do not have insurance, you can access your super to fund these because weight loss surgery is considered uh, a procedure that's dealing with a life-threatening condition, so you can access it. And Unfortunately, in Australia, it is not as widely available in the public sector. And so uh, there are lots of patients with no insurance who are accessing super or taking out loans to try and fund their 
mm, on their treatment. Another amount of stress. That's right. Um, and you mentioned holidays. So I would advise patients not to fly in the first month after surgery. And this is because uh, any complications that you would have, the greatest chance of that happening is in the first four to six weeks. So you want to be in Perth, near your surgeon mm, and good absolutely. and good medical facilities before... Uh, yeah, uh, to catch anything that might happen. That's right. And there's also other risks such as uh, getting a clot in the leg like a DVT. Mm. And that risk increases if you're on a plane for any, any long journeys. So as part of that preparation for surgery and determining what sort of surgery to also have, what sort of processes might you explore? Uh, there are a number of investigations we would organise before the operation. This is to make sure that the patient's in the best possible condition to have surgery. It's, it's not so much to determine what type of surgery they're going to have, although some of them can impact on that. So these tests include blood tests. So we would um, do a number of nutritional assessments. So I would tell patients not to panic. There will be a lot of blood taken. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but it is to get a foundation or a baseline from which we can work from. It is not uncommon for people to be deficient in, in lots of vitamins. So iron, B12, calcium. Is that across the board? Is that related specifically to a weight gain? or? Um, it is due to excess weight. So and, and it's a very complex interaction. In patients who carry excess weight, they often have mental health issues. They're, they have uh, yeah, shamed and they, they don't want to venture out, so they don't get as much sun. And so they can be deficient in vitamin D. Mm. And iron deficiency seems to happen quite frequently in, in obese patients as well. So about uh, a quarter to a third of patients can be deficient in, in those uh, nutritional um, uh, elements. So we do this blood test to ensure that there are no deficiencies to start with because after surgery, you can become deficient, especially if you have a gastric bypass. You might become deficient in B12, iron, calcium. So you want to make sure you you address those prior to the surgery. And addressing those things, would that be then intaking some of those elements That's through correct. vitamins or things like that? That's correct. So you start your um, nutritional supplements before the surgery. Mm. Sometimes uh, patients may need an iron infusion or a B12 injection just to get them up to speed. So they're in the best possible condition for the surgery. The other things that we do uh, include a gastroscopy where we put a camera through the mouse to look at the esophagus, the stomach, and the beginning of the small bowel. This is to ensure that they don't have any occult reflux problems. Although some patients tell me they don't have reflux and you put a camera down, you find acid-related damage. Mm, so that right. might impact on whether a, a sleeve gastrectomy is the most appropriate surgery or whether you should be considering a gastric bypass. And there's also a logistics element to it, that if they have something called a hiatus hernia, where part of your stomach is is poking up into your chest, that can give people reflux. That also adds to the operative time. So you need to adjust for that so that you plan the appropriate number of cases for that for that list and not overbook lists. So that's part of the tests. Uh, and during gastroscopy, 
we would also test for something called a helicobacter infection. So this is a bacteria that affects the stomach. And uh, one of the Perth's uh, doctors won a Nobel Prize for this. Amazing. Um, <laughs> Go so, um, so we would test for that and make sure that if, if it is present, we eradicate that before the surgery. The uh, other tests that we would uh, do would be sleep studies, and that is in selected patients. So if your BMI is really high, you're at risk of suffering from sleep apnea. And my concern is that after such a big procedure, you would have the effects of the anesthetic, the painkillers, the weight, mm. and, and the background sleep apnea. A lot apnea. of things that can affect it. And all that can compromise your breathing. And in some cases, I would elect to admit them to the high dependency unit in the first night, just from a safety point of view. And so all these tests uh, would help plan the surgery and plan uh, to make it as safe as possible for you. There are other tests we would do occasionally. This depend on your individual uh, health conditions. So if you have uh, breathing issues or if you have a heart condition, we may need to do specific tests to ensure that there are no problems. Uh, so to have a complete idea about your medical history, essentially. That's right. That's correct. So is it worth considering going on a diet before bariatric surgery? Um, it's interesting you say that because they do need to follow a special diet before the surgery, often for a two to three week period before your your procedure, you need to go on a very low calorie diet. This is in the form of shakes and the most commonly used ones are OptiFast or OptiSlim. And this is another reason why you need to have a dietitian appointment. They can guide you on all these aspects and advise you on which shake to have, and what else you can eat on top of that. And the purpose of this diet is to reduce some weight before surgery, mainly targeting the liver. So when people carry excess weight, it accumulates in your liver. So you have something called fatty liver. And going on these diets, will you, you start to lose weight from your liver first. Mm. And it is not unusual for people to lose up to five kilograms before the surgery in that two weeks. And so when your liver shrinks, it is um, easier for the surgeon because uh, we need to lift the liver up to operate underneath because your liver is draped over your stomach. And so losing that weight certainly helps from a safety point of view that you can lift the liver up without risk of injuring a fatty liver, which is more fragile. Well, it also helped mentally, I think, in a, a form of preparation towards that surgery as well and what you can expect after. Completely. So it, when patients start to lose the weight with the preoperative diet, mm. they actually feel more energized and, and more encouraged that, you know what, I can yeah. do this. And they'll still, they'll be healthier essentially going into the surgery, which is always what you want. That's right. That's right. So one to two weeks before the surgery, what would you actually be doing? Um, a couple of weeks before surgery, um, all the investigations should be already done and dusted. Um, they should have seen the dietitian, and they should just, it's, it's easy for me to say this, they should just uh, relax and, and stay as calm as possible. <laughs> relax, <laughs> yep. So um, just before the operation, so the uh, say the night before the operation, do something relaxing. 
Um, it, if you suffer from anxiety and you think you will be really stressed, it is important you speak to your anesthetist and we can arrange a pre-medication to, to keep you calm. And in terms of uh, actual preparation for the procedure itself, you need to fast. So you cannot have any solid food for six hours before your operation. Uh, you can have clear fluids for up to four hours before your surgery. So that is apple juice or black tea, black coffee. Water. Water. <laughs> uh, water, you can go one step further. You can have water for up to two hours before your operation. Oh, good. And I cannot stress enough on hydration because if you're dehydrated, your anesthetist might struggle putting lines in, mm. <laughs> which is uh, not pleasant for you or the surgeon. Is that quite common? Uh, it is common because most uh, operating theatres are a bit colder than you would expect. Mm. And on top of that, if you're dehydrated and your veins start to collapse and it's easier, uh, sorry, it's harder to find find the veins to cannulate. So um, to make the anesthetist's life easier, I would say stay hydrated. Amazing. So the final word. The final word. The final <laughs> word, water. Water. <laughs> water is life. <laughs> yeah. So as you can see, Evie, there are lots of things for patients to consider when they're preparing for surgery. We understand that patients have this cocktail of emotions from anxiety, fear, excitement. And you can be assured that the team at Perth Obesity Solutions are there to look after you and help you achieve the best possible result. And the more you tell us, the better we can help you. That is certainly very reassuring. Thank you, Dr. Siva. Episode four, we're going to be looking at what happens when you have had surgery. What is next? So I'm very interested in and more information that you have on that. I'll be very happy to join you again. Looking forward to <laughs> it. <laughs> Thank you. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Knife, a bariatric surgery podcast from Perth Obesity Solutions. We hope this helped improve your understanding of weight loss surgery. For more information, visit our website on perthobesitysolutions.com.au where we have operative videos and patient information sheets that you can download. If you wish to see Dr. Siva, please call the rooms on 6313 3772 or email info at perthobesitysolutions.com.au. 